The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled to Sue. Everybody and welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. And uh, it's time for the failingest network of all time until Quibi came along. <laughs> Quibi is the current reigning champion of the, as the failingest network of all time. The second most failingest network of all time. We are back with UPN. Yes, UPN. The United Paramount Network, which uh, premiered in 1995 on January 16th. Uh, with a series of television shows, four of which were canceled by the end of the of that mm. season, they they only kept Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, the, Everything else was gone. I, I think the only real like notable, long lasting show that debuted on the UPN mm. was Star Trek Voyager. I think Veronica Mars. There, oh, Veronica Mars was UPN show. I think it started on UPN. Let I me double check. Start, I thought that started on the WB. Uh, I know a lot of the shows like drifted over to the UPN. Buffy and, the Vampire yeah. Slayer got canceled before they intended it to on the WB, so mm. that drifted over to UPN. And then uh, UPN I, and the WB kind of merged yeah. into this creature called the CW. Veronica Mars debuted on UPN in the last two years of the network, mm. and then when it merged with CW, the third and at the time final season of Veronica Mars moved over to the CW. Okay. They had a few structural okay, changes. So it didn't do the show a lot of favors. It ended up getting canceled. So Star Trek Voyager, Veronica Mars. Those are the only two that have sort of lasted in the popular consciousness. I'm oh, sorry. I had four. I guess I did four. Oh, that's right. They had a new season. They, they brought it They had back. a new season. Yeah, they that's, they uh, revived yeah, it. I forgot about that. There was yeah, also a, yeah. there a movie. Uh, yep, yeah, they, they kickstarted they, a movie. Yeah. Um, but UPN did not have a long series of popular shows. Which is weird because it lasted a bloody decade. It lasted a long time. And <laughs> the, the sitcoms... I think were where people actually like enjoyed UPN. Moesha was a UPN show yeah. that had a big following. Clueless had a very long uh, uh, following as a sitcom, uh, but in all of its dramas in particular, just all of them crashed and burned. And even the Star Trek shows that they had were not the Star Trek shows people like. <laughs> they were not. They were not like Deep Space Nine or Next Generation. They had the ones that people didn't like as much. It was a doomed network from the start. And 
when UPN started, it was a mid-season replacement network. <laughs> That's... They started a whole network in the middle of the season. <laughs> what a great start that was. Um, they started with five television shows. Uh, one of them was Pigsty, mm. which was a sitcom about dudes doing dude stuff. Uh, there was Platypus Man, which was a sitcom about only one dude doing dude stuff. Well, that was Richard Jenny's sitcom. True, but he the, was a dude the, doing dude the, stuff. The wonderful late comedian Richard Jenny had his own show. Yeah, and his his show was about it was it was a it was a sitcom in the nineties about a guy. It was mostly him trying to have sex. He, he was uh, he was a cooking show host who was trying to have sex a lot. Yeah. That, and with, that was the with, with of the a show. surprising amount of success, mm. given the fact that he's considered like a, a bit of a loser. But yeah, there was a really cute episode where uh, he, his best friend wanted to uh, wanted to become impregnated. And she said she approached her three best friends and said, I don't want like a stranger. I want one of you guys. Oh, I remember and, that. And, they, I remember and, that and, because, and because of circumstances, she ended up in bed with Richard Jenny. And they're like, this is we can't. This is so awkward. Like yeah. we can't actually have sex with each other. There's one line I will always remember from Pigsty. Oh, it was not a good show. Uh, but, uh, there was an episode of Pigsty where they were going to have a barbecue and, uh, the guy who was responsible for bringing the meat had brought expired meat, like recently <laughs> expired meat. Ah, the old from... expired meat story. Well, and, and, and the, his argument was, come on, fire kills everything. <laughs> so fire kills everything is part of my comedic lexicon whenever <laughs> because I'm just of, like, because of the sitcom like I don't style. know man this bacon supposedly it was a sell by day it was two days ago it's a little furry. Eh, fire kills everything <laughs> why does this taste so musky fire kills everything um, what were the other shows the other shows were Star Trek Voyager that was their big uh, uh, yeah. premiere and uh, The Watcher Starring Sir Mixalot as a oh, voyeur living in Las Vegas, right. who's watching various anthology shows unfold uh, via the various hidden cameras and security cameras in Las Vegas, which just sounds creepy. I never I actually mean, saw The Watcher. The Watcher just totally. No, surely people. Either it was staged or they got plenty of clearance. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. No, no, no. I'm people sure it was all, all the releases. I'm sure it was but... all staged. It wasn't oh. like a reality show. Oh, okay. It was a scripted show. It just sounds like a creepy premise. Uh, and then the last show, which aired, it debuted on January 17th, the second night of UPN, just before The Watcher, was a little show starring Richard Grieco called Marker. The Villa Dance. Yeah, yeah, I know. The tourists love it. But to locals, every movement tells a story. I'll translate. Small town kid comes to Little Island and gets into... Big trouble. It's the story of my life. So what happens next? Richard, read my hips. Can you say that on network television? Richard Grieco stars in Marker. Television's newest action hero is coming your way. Was is he a scented marker? Yes, he's um, a scented marker. He's, he's, Marker, he smells like he smells like licorice. Marker, not to be confused with Walker or Booker, which were yeah. both hot shows at the, about the same time. Uh, Booker was uh, not a hot show. Booker lasted one no. season, and That's it also true, starred but, Richard Greco. Well, Book, Booker was a spinoff of Twenty One Jump Street. Booker yeah. was his character from Twenty One Jump Street. Uh, uh, Richard, Jump Street was a hit show. Yeah, uh, Twenty One Jump Street was a hit show. Um, you might know it from the new, the more, more recent movies, but the premise was. Uh, Plain clothes, young plainclothes cops are going undercover as high school students in a high school to investigate the crimes they're in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was uh, the 
was sort of one of the hit makers for Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. and it was a hit maker show for Richard Grieco. These were two like yeah. huge heartthrobs at the time in the was, late eighties. At the time when Twenty One Jump Street was on the air, mm-hmm. and I remember this very distinctly, there was like some debate: oh, who's going to be the big star who broke out mm-hmm. a Twenty One Jump Street? Is it Richard Grieco or is it Johnny Depp? And for a bit, I remember very distinctly people saying, "It won't be Johnny Depp. He's doing these like Edward Scissorhands movies. Who gives a crap? He's <laughs> too weird." Yeah. Well, what would you know? He was the one who stuck around. Yeah. Uh, Richard. Grieco um, rather mistakenly tried a musical career with Marker. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk which, about the music of uh, Marker because holy crap. Marker is a, a Stephen J. Cannell joint. We've seen him before. He's one of the most prolific uh, and popular TV show creators of all time. Yeah, you may uh, recall A-Team, him. A-Team, Greatest American Hero. The Rockford Files. Rockford, 21 yeah. Jump Street. Um, he's, he's an incredibly successful TV producer. However, and this is, I think, important to remember, that doesn't mean he only made hits. Oh, no. In fact, he's done one of the most notorious hits we've covered on this show. Yeah. In fact, uh, arguably mm. arguably the worst slash most amazing show we ever covered on this show was a little show called The 100 Lives of Black Jack Savage, which, if you are new to our program and don't recall four years ago... <laughs> when we discovered this gem. And we happened... This is the best part, is that we, by sheer 100% coincidence... This was the show that we reviewed the week Trump was inaugurated. And Trump, a tr- very Trump-like character, yeah. is the star of the show. Trump was, of course, a uh, you know a public figure, mm. and a lot of different fictional characters had some sort of... Used him as a template for a variety mm. of different figures. When they rebooted the DC Comics universe, for example, they made Lex Luthor explicitly more like Donald mm. Trump. Now, but this is not a political statement, <laughs> by the way. This is not a comment on Donald Trump, the president. This is a comment on Donald Trump, the pu- the public persona. Yeah. He was a clown yeah. uh, ba- back in the eight back in the eighties. He oh, was and, like, and the, he was a the, symbol of American greed as yeah, well. Like he, just, he was just yeah. just the the ultimate the pinnacle of what it is to be an empty suit in the yuppie era. Yeah. And uh, and people mocked him relentlessly. How he got any kind of credibility whatsoever is still something that, that he, escapes me. He turned it into but, a brand. Uh, he had yeah. a brand. He franchised himself. But it's a shitty brand. I know. It always but he, was. But, but if you can keep it going, yeah. it will always have at least some value. And that's... He, he managed to parlay that into a yeah, career. And uh, the show, The 100 Lies of Blackjack Savage, was about a character very explicitly based on Donald Trump. He looks just like mm-hmm. Donald Trump. He dresses like Donald Trump. He's a hotel magnate. He wrote a book about how to be successful in business. Uh, and at the start of the show, uh, he is uh, fleeing the country for tax evasion, winds up uh, you know, hooking up with a fascist dictator in the Caribbean, buying a haunted mansion in the Caribbean from the funny fascist dictator, finding out that the haunted mansion is home to a black pirate ghost uh, who has killed 100 people when he was alive, and now he's going to go to hell unless he can save 100 lives. So Donald Trump has to team up with the ghost of a black pirate to save 100 lives, or they'll both go mm. to hell. Also, they have a sci-fi superboat. Which was constructed by a guy who is just squatting in the basement of the castle. This <laughs> was a Disney show. This, it they, was they, they, they believed Disney. in this. Yeah. It's it's yep. a weird. It's one of the weirdest shows we've ever covered, and that's saying something. And that was Stephen J. Cannell. Stephen J. Cannell also did a couple other things we've done. He did uh, the Last Precinct, which was kind of a Naked Gun esque mm. uh, cop comedy. Uh, in the pretty, 1980s Pretty good one You liked it more than yeah, I did But it's not I thought it's, it was pretty good It, it, it had it's high yeah. points It had uh, Adam West 
back when that wasn't like the cool thing to, to have on your show. He also had a show I want to track down for us called The Hat Squad. And, and I've been looking at what, wait, first of all, <laughs> tell me about the hat squad. I was waiting for it to hit you. The hat squad. The hat squad. It's was... about a cop who adopts three kids whose parents were cops and were killed in the line of duty. And now he's raised them to become a secret police force called the hat squad. Weird. Apparently they wear hats. Um, and I'm looking, trying to track down broken badges, which is a show, a show, oh, yeah. show he did one, one season wonder about uh, a precinct of cops who all have um, severe mental infirmities but are also, you know, very good. They just happen to be very good cops. So they're yeah. all sort of put together in the same So it's a precinct. mental health show. It's a, men- a mental health sh- men- yeah. mental health cop show. Okay. Um, interesting premise. Yep. Um, he has a lot of recurring motifs throughout his many shows. There are things he likes. Uh, he, first of all, he loves lists where people are given a list of something, usually a numerical list. Mm-hmm. And they have to check off a list of things. That's, every week we got to keep going on the list. The 100 Lies of Blackjack Savage. Every week we got to save another uh, life. If if I recall, uh, another one of his shows, Hardcastle and McCormick, was about the list of like 200 people who had escaped justice. Oh, is that what um, that was about? I never watched that one. Yeah, yeah. Hardcastle and McCormick has okay. a list uh, as part of its central premise as well. I thought it was um, about a castle. No. Hard, Hardcastle, I, I think Hardcastle is a judge and McCormick is a, I don't think McCormick is a cop. Okay. It's been a while since since I've seen anything to do with Hardcastle and McCormick. Understood. Um, cool name though. Uh, also, Adam twelve. Uh, there was a, there were twelve uh, oh, Adams. There, there you go. There were twelve Adams and Adam twelve. Shut up. I uh, never saw the show. I don't know. It's just a cop show. Uh, okay. He was also very fond of, and this is something that would come up in the A Team and also the One Hundred Lives of Blackjack Savage. The idea of somebody who is not necessarily an upstanding citizen or is kind of amoral or kind of an outsider forced into a scenario where they have to do a series of favors. They, yeah. they, they yeah. have to be good now. They have to do heroic mm. things whether they like it or not. Yeah. And, and th- that's a fine premise for a mm-hmm. show. Uh, all of these things are true of Marker. Yeah, Marker, uh, star, again, stars Richard Grieco, and the premise is this. Richard Grieco is the son of a billionaire. His, uh, he's estranged from his father. He doesn't know his father very well. He doesn't like his father very much because his father abandoned him, got divorced. And didn't remarried. give him any money. Yeah. yeah. Like, and like the, would pick him up, take him on these wild trips, and then deposit him back with his mother. And that's all his yeah. So So he doesn't care for his father. And in the first episode of the show, the episode begins, his father is dead. And Richard Grieco is traveling to Hawaii, where his father had his base of operations, uh, to v- attend the funeral, attend the reading of the will, and then basically go home. He has no intention of staying. He goes and he finds out that his father, while he was alive, had issued a series of markers to hundreds of people. And those markers need to be redeemed. Now, what you might ask is a marker. A marker is basically a, a chip or a coin or some, some sort of trinket that you hand to somebody. And what it means is I am indebted to you. You need you can reclaim this for just about anything. And it's, this it's is a, it's a favor coupon. It's a it's a plot point that often comes up in movies or shows about organized crime. Mm. You know, oh, I don't have the money to pay you, but here's my marker and I'll mm. do anything. I'll any favor. Boom. So his father has given out hundreds of favors. Now you might say to yourself, "Oh, was he like indebted to the mob?" Nope. He gave him the people who were completely altruistic and nice. Well, as we learn, we learn that the father knew that he was dying of, I think it was of cancer uh, in, in the show. He knew he was dying. And that's when he kind of like started doing favors and giving out money to people just out of the goodness of his heart. And, and essentially in a way to pay it forward said, you know, 
I didn't remember that part. I just remember him doing it. No, no, there, okay. there was like he, so he they started to, he started he to li- live larger because he knew it was dying. Okay. That, that was a, a, a reason. But so the idea is, he's, all he's of dead these before people, the inception of the show. All of these apparently decent human beings hmm. uh, have the ability to take their marker and come to the Hawaiian Rose Corporation because his last name was hmm. Rose or something. Um, and uh, uh, basically, they can just say, "Hey, here's my marker. I need a favor," and the favor can be. Oh, the mafia is trying to take over my restaurant, or oh, I've got a missing dog, mm-hmm. or oh, my daughter needs to have, find a foster home, something, yeah. something big, and it is up to Richard Grieco to redeem these markers, or else nothing. Well, there's he's... no consequence. And in fact, they, they even explains like you can turn this down and you'll still be on the payroll. He's getting paid for this. Well, he's getting paid so every he, time he redeems a marker, which I feel like a, it feels like they don't mention that for like five episodes. Yeah. And I think that's just a justification for why he doesn't have a day job anymore. Well, it, it's explained that uh, Richard Richard Demora is the character's name, and it's always confusing when the character and the actor have the same name. I always assumed it's because the actor is too confused yeah. to understand that they're playing a different character. But, I've actually uh, heard stories of that being a thing. Uh, for some actors, definitely. yeah, like they would um, they would change the name of a character specifically mm-hmm. because the actor was like it was like that episode of The Simpsons. Like, mm-hmm. remember, you're Mr. Johnson. Okay, <laughs> hello, so Mr. Tom- it was Mr. Thompson. Oh, yeah. Hello, Mr. Thompson. I think he's talking to you. <laughs> so, um, it's explained that uh, Richard Demora is a, a construction guy from Jersey. Now, Richard Grieco cannot play a construction guy from Jersey. No, he looks like a teen heartthrob. Mm-hmm. who's you know, now in his early 30s. He, he but... looks like a guy who used to be a teen heartthrob and now has no other vibe. Yeah. <laughs> even though he doesn't look like a teen heartthrob anymore. So, so he, he doesn't have that kind of Jersey vibe to him. It's explained that he's like a fan of Bruce Springsteen and yeah. Bon Jovi, but... Mm, here's he here's his biggest character trait. V-necks. He, I don't think hand- you ever see... Unless he's shirtless, I don't think you ever see him without a deep cut V-neck. He's handsome and he always talks with sort of a whisper. Yeah. He doesn't... Yeah, Richard Demore doesn't have much of a character, no. unfortunately. Um, could they have cast a more interesting actor? Yes. Yeah. And in fact, I think Richard Grieco might be the weakest point of this series. Well, and that uh, is saying something. And that's saying something. Uh, he yeah. mo- he's, uh, his contact to the Rose Corporation is his father's widow, his stepmother, mm-hmm. who's played by Gates McFadden. Dr. From, Beverly Crusher from The Next Generation. From Star Trek. Uh, she, um, this is the only other notable thing I've seen her in apart from Star Trek. Or Star Trek related projects. I feel like there's one other thing I saw I've her, seen in, her I saw her in like an episode of Dream On. Uh, she's been in soap operas, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, this is the only re- other recurring. Oh, role she, she had a recur. She had a she had a sh- not a long long lasting, but she had a recurring role in Mad About You. That's what I remember. Also oh, okay, yeah, I never watched Mad About You. Yeah. Oh, and she was in that movie Taking Care of Business. She was in The Hunt for Red October. She was Alec Baldwin's wife in The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> oh yeah, I had forgotten that. Yeah. Been a while since I've seen that, Boom. too. I recently rewatched that, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so there you go. Gates McFadden. Uh, yeah. So Gates McFadden uh, is now heading up the Rose Corporation. Uh, she, is, I, I'm, this is, I'm certain why she took the job. She plays a character who uh, lives in Hawaii, mm-hmm. gets to live in a big mansion, and goes swimming a lot. Yeah, almost. So when, I, when we see her, she's pretty much always in this like really posh mansion in nice clothes with dynamite hair, yeah. or she's swimming in a pool in the sun. Yeah, there's seriously. So she, she's ninety percent. What of a her hard scenes, job. Ninety <laughs> percent of Gates McFadden scenes, she's at least near a swimming pool. Mm. Most of the time, she's eating a nice breakfast. Sometimes she's swimming, and there's one episode where she gets to shoot like human traffickers. Like that's it. Those, <laughs> those are the three modes of Gates McFadden. <laughs> 
And uh, also we have the comic sidekick played by uh, Andy Bumatai. Yeah. Uh, a Hawaiian comedian who you probably saw in the stand-up scene if you were paying attention in the 1980s. Yeah, he plays a character named Pipeline, a.k.a. Danny Kahala. He's a surfer. He's also uh, kind of like a low-level ruffian. He's, yeah, he's, uh, he's got connections to like thugs and, and bouncers and stuff. Yeah, he knows a lot of tough guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the implication is he's probably done some untoward things to make money, but nothing like evil. Like there's an episode in which uh, Richard Grieco tells um, Pipeline, like, hey, in order to do this, I'm going to need a gun. And Pipeline just has one underneath the seat in his mm-hmm. car. And so you're just like, damn, Pipeline, really? That's safe. Which is weird for him because he's like such a laid back character. He almost doesn't perceive the world around him. He's. he's Laid back surfer. I, I feel like they, they, you know, a lot of TV shows sort of find their voice and the characters find themselves over time. I feel like he was originally written to be a tougher customer, mm. but Andy Bumatai is not a tough customer kind of actor. No. And they gradually made him just softer, kinder, sweetheart kind of a comic sidekick. Mm. And he's better at that. Let's yeah. just be fair. Um, so yeah. in, in each episode, uh, at the beginning of each episode of. Uh, Richard receives um, a marker and he has to figure out how to solve it. And that's the plot of every episode. Every single episode. And there's a, you know, it's basically an excuse to do any subplot you want. Basically. Mm. Um, there's better pitches for shows. Much better. They're good pitches uh, for shows. Well, if, if, if Richard DeMora had been illustrated as a little bit more of a... If you were more like Barry Tarberry from The 100 Lives of Black yeah, a selfish if, millionaire, if he, yeah. If he, or a millionaire, or if you were just a dickhead. Yeah. And he doesn't like doing favors, but now he has to. That's a more interesting drama. Well, I remember when this show came out, and this is, again, this was right when UPN got started, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, we we were had, paying attention at this time. We were, because actually, it had, at the time, cable and basic cable, you know, they, they were around, but... The network still kind of ran the show in terms of what programming was considered culturally significant. Hmm. Um, you know, not everyone had HBO, and HBO didn't have that many shows to begin with. Not you know, there was there wasn't really anything super significant on USA or TNT. So it was all networks. Hmm. So when there was a new network, it was interesting. Because it, all of a sudden there's this new influx of different types of shows. Uh, Fox had premiered the previous decade-ish. I can't remember exactly when Fox uh, premiered. And they had this sort of so around, like... Around the time of The Simpsons, I think. It was a little before that, but yeah. It's mm-hmm. So like mid-80s memory serves. And so they, they had brought in this sort of like, we're young and we're hip and we're fresh. Mm-hmm. And UPN's vibe was... Uh, the previous generation would have thought this was young and hip and fresh. Like it was something that was already not cool. Yeah, but I was interested in everything that was coming out, and I never watched Marker. I think it was on at the same time as some other show that I watched. Mm. Um, but I remember thinking the premise sounded fine because, as I understood it, and all the other fiction that I had read, markers were something you give because you're in trouble. Mm. You know, like oh, I can't afford to pay you, so this is something that you're probably giving to somebody who is in the criminal world mm. of some kind. So or you're, I, in, you're in some kind of duress. So yeah. I assumed when I had heard the basic premise. That the premise of this show was uh, Richard Grieco is estranged from his father. His father, it turns out, was part of the criminal underworld. His mm. father is dead, but he gave out all these markers, and the criminals still want them redeemed. Mm. So now he's actually got to do like crimes, c- crimes like mm. film noir type stuff or something. Mm. They don't always have to be evil. They can be good guy stuff, but like something under on the DL, something you know yeah, yeah. untoward. 
And I remember thinking to myself, that's interesting. Here's like a normal person who's being forced to do something against their will. And if he doesn't, he could be killed because this is like a criminal thing. And no, actually, I, I feel like that's probably, that might have been where this started in the pitch. But at some point, they oh. think they realized that this needs to be a very positive show. Mm. And because his relationship with his dad has to drive it. And every episode yeah, now begins... become a better man through relating to his dead father. Yeah, rather than a worse man than relating mm. to his dead father. It'd be kind of a bummer on TV wasn't really about that. So it's probably why, if that was ever considered, it got if shoved it, aside. If they'd made this in like the mid-2010s, that, that's exactly what the show would be about. Be I think about it'd be a more interesting show. from but... Grace and he starts murdering people. Yeah, again, and... you, you, if, oh, I don't want to, oh, I don't want to like have the assets of a billion dollar corporation at my side while I help people do really cool things. Mm. Why? Why would that be? Yeah, that doesn't sound again, too bad. Again, that sounds if, like a pretty good gig. If, if he's like a, a, a horrible layabout who doesn't want to do that yeah. stuff, then that would be a better show. Yeah, but, or yeah, or, or if he was a spoiled brat who yeah. had never done anything good for anybody in his life, that exactly. would also be a good show. But the, the idea think, is that uh, the contrast yeah. is what's important here. And I think a big Richard Grieco's Strike One, and I think Strike Two is Hawaii. Um, I, I put it. I put this out there on Twitter, but uh, some people came up with some pretty good answers. But uh, Hawaii isn't really conducive to a lot of great drama. There are good things that are set in Hawaii, though. Mm -hmm. I like The Descendants, uh, for I, instance. That one's really good. Uh, from Here um, to Eternity. I haven't seen great. From Here to Eternity, great but, movie. but it, won, it won Best Picture great. at the Academy Awards. Uh, Hawaii Five-0 mm -hmm. is and was a hit show. Mm -hmm. Uh, was Magnum, Magnum P.I. was in Hawaii, right? Yeah, I'm not going to give you Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. is a dumb show. I've never watched it. I've literally never watched it, but it like was a hit. It's enjoyable, but it, it, was, it, was, it was a big a hit. hit. But it I was think, a hit. And, and of course, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, the best film ever made. Yeah. Uh, it was set in Hawaii. Uh, it's set on Molokai. Uh, uh, is, is Moana set in Hawaii? I mean, Maui uh, is uh, a character. Surely uh, it's adjacent. It's, it's not specifically Hawaii. It's like a, yeah. an un, undisclosed Polynesian island. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, for the most part, I've seen a lot oh, of Lilo TV and shows. That's a good movie. Oh yeah, for the mo I've seen a lot of shows that were set in Hawaii, and you can tell in a lot of them. And I think uh, when we did Danger Theater, the Tropical Punch segments kind of poked fun at this. When you go to Hawaii, clearly the crew and the cast are just there because they like being in Hawaii. Yeah, it's not because there's anything uh, like dramatic about the place. In fact, it's a typically a vacation destination. It's I've been to Hawaii um, many times. It's it's a pretty chill place. Yeah, it's it's yeah, kind of laid generally. kind of laid back, which is not yeah. going to be the kind of place where you're going to have hard-boiled detective stories. Well, it's it's one thing if it, there's like some specific, like Hawaii 50 mm. is a cop show and they do have police mm. on Hawaii. Mm. There are crimes that would take place in Hawaii. Oh, maybe yeah, you know, you know maybe different I, Vibes, there's but like, a, yeah, there's a, still a, a rather large drug problem in Hawaii. There you go. Mm -hmm. So, like, it makes sense if you're a cop that there would be some interesting things happening on Hawaii. Uh, the thing that makes this, the, I think, the reason why Hawaii doesn't work in this show mm. is because Hawaii is kind of out of the way. What are the odds that everyone that this multi-billionaire met in his international travels would <laughs> either be on Hawaii or happen to be on Hawaii lately? Or be able to make it to Hawaii and have all of their problems easily solved in Hawaii, and because they are not, there's there's one episode where where I'm just going to call him Marker. There's one episode where Marker <laughs> travels and Richard always Marker. he goes he, he's on an airplane and in an airport and then he's on another airplane back. Like that's mm. all the traveling Marker does. Forcing everything to be in Hawaii takes an already really forced premise and makes it 
like laughably coincidental. Mm. And that's also really shooting the show in the foot. So the premise is kind of okay in the abstract, but in the execution, it feels really forced. The location makes it feel really forced. The cast is the best members of the cast are sidelined. Yeah. Like Gates McFadden is a good actor. She could do more if she wanted to, or they give, they let her, they don't want to. Um, they, they don't they, even they like have all to Richard Grieco. They give it all it's to Richard, all Grieco, Richard Grieco and, and Annie Bumatai, who is okay. I don't love him in this show, but mm. he's definitely got more energy than mm. Richard Grieco. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, yeah, Richard Grieco is clearly taking this because A, he gets to lead a show. Well, who wouldn't yeah. who wouldn't turn down that kind of gig? Yeah. Uh, he's, um, and they also clearly gave him a lot of leeway to sort of bring in his own things. And when I say that, I mean his music career, the, uh, which I previously mentioned. The, the theme song mm. to Marker is, and I don't say this lightly. I want to make this 100% <laughs> clear here. We've reviewed over 200 failed TV shows on Cancel Too Soon. I can't think of an opening credits theme slash song that we've encountered on this program that I hated more than the theme song to Marker. <laughs> I am not fucking kidding. This uh, I hated this theme song. So th- this it draws on certain uh, like a really brief musical trends that was really big from like the early to the mid '90s only. Did you ever listen to KTWV here in LA? Yeah. It was all like the smooth, electronic, easy listening jazz stuff. It was like yeah. the worst possible music. The kind of stuff that even spas would turn down today. Yeah. You might hear it in like yeah. the waiting room at an orthodontist's office because they're trying to chill you yeah, out. Yeah, a lot, a lot of like echoey guitar and whispery yeah. vocals in the background. Uh, I hate that kind of music. I don't know people who listen to that in their spare time. Yeah, I'm it's, sure there's an made, audience, it's, but it's... It's written for elevators and Denny's, you know, it's yeah. not not the kind of thing you would buy a record of. And, and, and again, obviously, we're not music critics, there may yeah. be people who really love this genre, but this is not or, or this could, is not our jam. Or could, like, explain how it draws on, like, a, a better tradition that it came yeah. from, but yeah, this this kind of easy listening jazz that came out in the 90s was pretty ubiquitous at the time, and it's yeah. largely forgotten now. Yeah. And it is smeared all over Marker. I feel like I've heard it a lot in, like, The Gap. Yeah. Like, you would, like, be clothes shopping, and you'd see, like, some montages on, like, the TV. And what's worse than because it has these chill vibes, and I'm like, I get it, it's a Hawaiian show. Mm-hmm. You want chill vibes, hanging out on the beach with a play, nice drink. Play Hawaiian music. A, play Hawaiian music. There's a wonderful <laughs> some, history of Hawaiian music. Get some guitar in there or something. You can't, you, know? you when I was, when, when my family used to, like, go to Hawaii a couple mm-hmm. of times when I was a kid, I've been to Hawaii, like, five times. Um... We, we would go to Hawaii, and you couldn't, like, trip without falling over, like, a CD stand full of genuinely good Hawaiian music. Oh, yeah. Just any random compilation of Hawaiian music. You pick any random track, and it would be better than the theme song to Marker. But worse than that, just, like, weirdly, like, ethereal electric guitar thing was the lyrics to the Marker theme song. And I'm going to give you... I'm going to sing the entire Marker theme song... It repeats, but this is all of it. Father, Father, (laughs) Son, we are one. That's it. Mm. That's all the lyrics. This is an action show about a guy in a Jeep who, like... Has to stop people from getting assassinated. <laughs> he's, he has to like 
He says to stop people from getting assassinated. Some... He jumps out of helicopters and shit. And it's all about like father. It's all about his issues with his dad. And that's the other thing that keeps this movie uh, series down. We're film critics. We always mm. accidentally say movie. Yeah. That's the other thing that always keeps this show down is by making this about like, this is how I'm going to reconnect with my father. And every single episode begins with me writing in my diary about memories of my dad who in the pilot episode, I complained I had no memories of. Get over it, dude. Like I understand. Listen, grief, grief is a big deal. I've, I still grieve for my father. He died going on a decade now. Uh, and I realize that your father just died. Uh, there's also you're getting weirdly obsessive over it. And I I don't think it belies the kind of like awkward poetry that like, you know, like, oh I guess my father gave out all of these are these weird markers to people and all those people are good people. I guess I should love my my father. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> when he just um, showed me Richard Grieco had a band uh God. that he was actually selling at exactly the same time this show was on the air. Uh, he yeah. put out a record. He was moving into he was clearly trying to move into music. And so yeah. he made a a a a record under the the band name Grieco and the Dunmore Band. I haven't heard it. Uh-huh. There's one on Amazon. Should I buy it? Yes. Yes, no, I want to yes. listen to it. Yes, you do. How much is it? it it's like eight bucks. You're buying that shit. <laughs> I'll buy it live on mic. There you go. Um, but uh, there's one episode of Marker where uh, Marker has to help a woman with amnesia, and mm. and, it's, had, and it's all just him singing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's the music episode because I guess she was a musician and they realized that what she remembers best is music. Like she remembers lyrics to songs and stuff. So he's like, "I'm gonna go to this club. It's okay. I can get us in." I know the band. And it cuts to Richard Grieco leading this band. And I'm like, you have never mentioned that you've been rehearsing with the band this whole time. Mm. Marker. Fuck you, Marker. I'm guessing that was Grieco and the Dunmore band uh, on that Gre- stage. Was it either yeah. Grieco and the Dunmore band or was at the very least an opportunity for Grieco to like try to move some records by promoting the fact that he's a singer. Mm. I have nothing against I don't know anything about Richard Grieco. I don't know him personally. Mm. I don't know anything about his personal life. What I do know is that he's he's not a great actor. He's an okay actor. I got nothing against him. I thought he was really he's, really funny in the night at the Roxbury. I appreciated his willingness himself, to take the piss yeah. out of his his you know his his uh, persona. He's actually very funny in that movie. Uh, he, he's really not a great singer though. No, no, he's really not that great. No, he he no. he he's one of those actors who functions better as a star than as an actor. Yeah, he's not like a very versatile performer, but he does have a lot of just on-screen charisma. So of course I, you want to point. I think he'd be stronger guy. in an. I didn't really watch Twenty One Jump Street. I know it was an ensemble though, mm. and I think he would be stronger in an ensemble where yeah, his yeah. his that persona that like just type that he plays will play off of multiple people every episode. When he has to carry it, it's just. It, it's like it's it's like if you threw a tennis ball at a wall and the tennis ball didn't come back to you. Like that's <laughs> that's what watching trying, the show trying, is trying like. Trying to bounce things off of Richard Grieco. You, you see Kate McFadden trying to banter with with Richard Grieco, and you realize that after like three episodes, they stop trying to do that. What, like like <laughs> just G- not working. Kate McFadden's a real actress. She's really trying here. She's trying to like play a character and have no. chemistry with her her co stars. Yeah, and no. She, and she was just freshly off of Next Generation, which was yeah. a pretty big ensemble. She got scenes with all of those characters. Yeah. Um, she she actually I, I wasn't able to track down a lot of information about Marker. Again, it was a mm. short lived show. I thought maybe I'd be able to find some interviews because it was like the start of UPN, and maybe mm. there'd be a few. I found one like 
review from the time, which I think was from Hollywood Reporter or Variety, one of those. And the review was very dismissive. Like, it didn't hate it. It just basically, the vibe was, Stephen J. Cannell is on his shit again. <laughs> like, he's, he's hitting all the same bullet points he always does. Getting a guy out of his elements, yeah. doing favors. There's a list of li- Wacky names, comic relief a, sidekick. Comic relief sidekick. And same that's, that's same that. fucking thing. You know, different different channel. Only like, this, was, yeah, it's set on Hawaii now. The other uh, thing I found was a very, it was an interview with Gates McFadden. And of course, the entire interview was about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But there was one bit where she mentioned working on Marker. And this is what she said about working on Marker. She was she was a mom at the time. You know, she was raising kids, mm. and uh, she okay. never she's let her kids. Still mom, but well, yeah, that's my point. Kids, like yeah. her kids were young, and uh, she never let her kids, or at least not much, let her visit. He never let her kids really visit her on Star Trek mm. because it was too like weird, and she was worried that like it would be kind of weird to see her mom in that environment where everyone's like on like a U- spaceship and like and aliens and yeah, stuff. It's, it yeah. just, it would just be kind of like off putting and wouldn't be, it would be difficult to sort of wrap their heads around it. Uh, but she was totally fine with her kids visiting on marker because she got to film in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> that so, was the vibe. so I'm right. that <laughs> yeah. she, she took the job so she could have a vacation in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, the, the plots that he has to, uh, okay. that Marker, his name is not Marker, but we're going to call him We're going to call him Marker. That, He's Marker. That Marker has to, uh, okay. has to help solve. There are uh, 13 episodes of Marker. I'm going to, sp- so many of these episodes are just vapor. So I'm going to speed through them as much as we can. If there's something noteworthy about it, we'll talk about mm-hmm. it. The pilot episode uh, is, you know, we've talked about this before. In a pilot episode, you have to introduce the premise of the show, and that takes up some real estate. Mm-hmm. But you do have to do at least one episode of the show proper. Uh, and so we get a lot more with Marker. He meets uh, Pipeline, and Pipeline is like squatting in like this like bit of property, and he inherited from his dad. And so he starts off in kind of like a bad foot. Mm. Um, and uh, his first Marker is from a young woman whose sister has gone missing. His sister was a drug addict, so everyone's just sort of rolling their eyes and going, "Oh, well, of course she's doing drugs." And she's like, "No, she was getting her shit together." Uh, I think something is seriously wrong. I think she was being stalked by her ex-boyfriend or something, but it turns out it's actually more elaborate than that. And it's mm-hmm. like a big criminal scheme. Uh, and so he has to help her out. And at the end of the episode, he ends up using pipeline and like his family as muscle. And that's when we meet pipelines. I don't think it was cousins or just friends. I think it was just a guy he knew. He, yeah. he knows a couple of like really big guys from Hawaii. And, they are the best part of this show. <laughs> and they're like four scenes throughout the whole series. It's one such of them, a pity. One of them is this like really big guy and he's he oh it's wearing, wearing Hawaiian shirts, they're in Hawaii. They just call him shirts there. And yeah, these, these like six and a half foot tall, four hundred pound muscly guys. Yeah, and they're they're great, they're really funny, they're charming. And one of them, his name is Dr. Deadlift. <laughs> That's his name. They never say what he's a doctor in. <laughs> well, I, as, I assume deadlift is a nickname, but you don't get to just be a doctor deadlift. Surely he's got like he's a podiatrist or something. I don't know what he is. Doctor deadlift. That's that's his degree. He's a doctor in deadlift. He's a doctor in deadlift. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, he's just the muscle they bring it in like four or five episodes. They mm. just comes in and like throws a guy out a window. He's great. <laughs> he's the best part of the show. Why you have a character in your show named Doctor Deadlift? And you cast Richard Grieco as another character and made that character okay. the lead? If this show was called Dr. Deadlift, if, 
it and would it still be remembered today just for the name. Just for the if, like, And if that guy was the main character, say yeah. if he's like like some shiftless guy who doesn't yeah. want it doesn't want anything to do with his dad's legacy and he lives in Hawaii. Yeah. And he just knows the community and yeah. now he's forced to do favors for like deadbeats that he knows. That's a much more interesting premise for a show. It's a much more interesting. I would love to see that guy. What are we doing here? Anyway, so they end up beating up a bunch of guys. One thing I do appreciate about Marker is that uh, Marker, the guy, mm. uh, he's not like a martial artist or a cop mm. or an ex-Special Forces guy or anything. Like he's not really good at much of anything. No, he's a carpenter. Like, mm. that's what he does is he's actually like, he knows, like, he, they talk about it sometimes. Like, he can be good with a lock because he installs locks. Mm. You know, he knows, like, electricity because, like, he installs, like, electrical wiring and stuff like that and to be fair they get a fair amount of mileage out of that but he's not a fighter and so a lot of times he actually does get the shit kicked out of him and i did appreciate that because if you're on top of everything he was like the coolest motherfucker ever and like could like kill you with his pinky it would just be completely insufferable so i appreciated Mm -hmm. that he they remembered that he's just a dude um so anyway, yeah, at the end of the episode, he agrees to keep doing this marker thing. Moving on, uh, the next episode is, uh, it turns out his dad gave a marker to a guy who's in prison. And this is the, like the one time when who we gave a marker to is actually kind of important and raises questions. Mm. Because the guy is in prison for embezzling money from his father. And yet he has a marker from his dad. And some have argued that he is only taking the fall for Richard Grieco's dad, who may have actually been responsible for embezzling all that stuff. And we they, never they find kind, out they kind if they of, did. Yeah, they kind of hinted it, but it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, the, the implication is that maybe his dad, who is being portrayed all of a sudden as this saint, maybe actually was more complicated than this. And um, we didn't really go anywhere with that. Uh, mm. the, the best part of this episode is... Um, uh, the guy in prison wants the marker to help his daughter out because her boyfriend has accidentally, like, he took a loan from the mob and now the mob has taken over his restaurant. And uh, his payment for the loan, uh, the mafioso has, like, basically taken the guy's girlfriend, who is the uh, convict's daughter. Um so he's got to help extricate her from this uh, big situation. It's it's, it's like a, a, a relationship with a mobster that she, even though she's in love with another guy and the guy wants to get her out of there, she's like beholden to him. Yeah. And and he has like fi- financial and criminal stakes on her and is forcing her to, to be with him. The best part of uh, uh, this episode is actor Joe Vitarelli. Uh, who plays oh, a character yeah. named Luau Tony. And he is uh, he's a New York mobster who, I guess, relocated to Hawaii. He's not pretending to be Hawaiian. No. The most you'll get out of him is he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and there's this one scene where he disgustingly, like, sucks on <laughs> crab legs. Like, eating crab legs is not, like, if, I don't know if, if you've ever eaten crab legs. I know some people haven't, but, like, if you've ever eaten crab legs... It, it's hard to look cool doing it. It's messy and the mm. crunches and it'll scrape up your fingers if you're not careful. So, but just seeing him like, and it, it, it's everything in the, in the scene is getting moister and moister. <laughs> it's like the, a, a patent of butter all over everything. All yeah. Of a sudden. Just really, mm. really, really not great. But anyway, Joe Vitarelli was always a fun actor. Um, Anyway, he 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 does it. He, he saves him and stuff. Uh, the next episode is called Cloud Warriors. And in this one, um, Pipeline finds a dead body on the beach and 
marker doesn't want anything to do with it because hey it's no fucking marker i have to fucking deal with Mm -hmm. it and it turns out that uh pipeline's mother or grandmother has a marker yeah from his dad in fact it was the first one he ever gave out (laughs) you would think they would save that for like the last episode what was marker number one they're they're each etched with a number and and they correspond to a a book that he has yeah so he knows who's supposed to have them there's no details there's just a name in the book like of, as to the name of the person who has each marker. Yeah. So uh, Pipeline uh, basically uses the marker to force Richard Grieco to help him solve this murder uh, well, and, or else and, he'll be like ashamed to his family and well, his soul won't find peace and neither will the murder well, victim. Yeah, it was, it was a, an idea of like putting the murder victim to proper rest. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted to give her like a proper burial right, and they needed to find out about her to in order yeah. to do that. The best part of this episode is uh, guest star Lisa Dar, uh, who had also been on the Stephen J. Cannell show uh, Prophet. Mm, uh, she right. played uh, the. Uh, res- that's where I recognized her yeah. from. Was from she, Prophet. She she played uh, Prophet's personal assistant, who started off as a woman who was being blackmailed by Prophet, and gradually came into her own and had fun being corrupt. Uh, and here she plays a like a homicide detective who's relatively new and constantly talks about what she read in the guidebook <laughs> to being a detective, which is kind of funny. Uh, but it's the it's the first one where they really start using like having like marker like interact with the cops. And they really struggle every time that happens to explain why the cops are saying anything to Marker. Yeah. Like, there's no reason well, and, and, uh, to it, involve him in this investigation. He might have brought someone to your attention. Great. I'm not going to tell you anything about the case. Go home. But they bring him in anyway. Here's, here's the, the frustrating thing about Marker is sometimes the things he's working on are, like, legitimately criminal cases that the yeah. police would be in on. And... They always have to manufacture some sort of reason why the police can't be called. Oh, we, we tried the police and they couldn't help. Or yeah. there's the a gangster involved yeah. and the police would one just of, put somebody in danger. One of the police is corrupt, maybe in on it. So we don't yeah. we can trust or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So whenever they go down the line of like actual criminal activity, it's, it's really frustrating because they can't include the cops. And then when they don't go down criminal activity... I don't care. I don't care if the bickering couple gets their dog back. Oh my God, that fucking episode. <laughs> we need to talk about well, the fucking dog episode. We'll get to the dog okay. episode in due course. The next yeah. episode is uh, the baseball episode. Uh, uh, and so this episode uh, is there's a there's a baseball team in Hawaii hmm. and uh, they have a star pitcher and uh, they're worried that the star pitcher might be too distracted by this really volatile divorce that he's going through. Hmm. Uh, and so Gates McFadden Shows up with a marker and says, "Hey, marker, I want you to do a marker thing." And Richard Grieco's like, "Oh, what am I, what, what, why do you have one?" And she says, "And this I love. Your father gave me a bunch of them." And I'm like, "Oh my god, you're going to use this all the time. This have, this, a, have a recurring character." Well, she's a recurring character anyway, but like, still, like, it's just going to be like, if we can't think of an excuse for someone to have a marker, we'll just have Gates McFadden have one and use it that week. Mm. At which point. Why aren't you just working for Gates McFadden? <laughs> Why not? What are you doing here? So she asks Richard Grieco to do to basically heal the wounds of this broken relationship. And then part of me is like, aren't you running a billion dollar company? Don't you have more qualified people to do something like that? No, the- like attorneys or therapists or a person with a personality. <laughs> I- but yeah. his whole thing is he's got to get them back together, and it turns out there's someone's like trying to like manipulate their relationship in order to prevent the guy from playing like good at baseball. Game and, yeah, they're fi- trying to fix a baseball game. That's what it all boils down to. Um, this was one of the ones where, and this is like the first of like three or four times this happened. 
the subplot of the episode is will these two crazy kids get together? You know, this divorce couple, will they get back together? And at the end of the episode, they do. And we're supposed to feel really good about it. That guy, that baseball pitcher is an asshole. The baseball pitcher's an asshole. The the wife is no flower either. No, she's, she's, she's like really great. unkind. And but uh, but he's jealous, borderline abusive. Uh, just just f- can't be trusted. Cheated on her a lot. Why the fuck do you think we want these people to get back together? And uh, I I recognized the wife character. She was one of the actresses from Witchcraft Part Six. Wow. Uh, I, I I knew I recognized her. I had to look it up. But I've wow. I've seen. Uh, the first 13 of the witchcraft movies they've made more sense oh, but uh <laughs> they're not good films <laughs> no they're all bad yeah they're, there's not a good one in the lot but um yeah i recognized her from that and also in this episode was another character i wish we could have had a series about it was the uh the bar owner played by mc ganey yeah because he's a biker who's kind of dating uh the woman getting a divorce and he's cool He's MC like, Ganey. He's, like, he rocks. You remember M- we just MC, talked about yeah. him, Briscoe County Jr. Yeah. Yeah, MC Ganey is a great character actor. He played a lot of heavies. He's really kind of yeah. really good at playing mean characters. But and, yeah, uh, I would totally want to watch a TV show about a guy who owns a tough biker bar in Hawaii. Yeah, and shit just keeps happening in the bar. And and it's it's cool. revealed later in the episode that he's actually like really a decent guy who cares about his bar. Like he's he's not yeah. just a scumbag. Yeah, well, I'll make a series about that guy. Ah. I get MC Ganey. He's a good actor. I like MC Ganey. The next episode is called Spanish Laughter. Oh, and this was the very emotional episode. This is a very emotional episode. It's also the the marijuana episode. And this is <laughs> this is a very interesting well, it's, because it's we incredibly progressive for the time. For the time to- it's progressive. It's like two steps forward, one step back. So mm. at this point, television has a long history of treating marijuana like it's like as bad as heroin like it's just the absolute worst thing what's this you have a joint you're going to hell forever bugs bunny and the muppet babies are gonna see to that yeah uh so marijuana is almost always unilaterally treated as bad however Mm. in this episode of marker a marker is turned in from someone who actually deals with medical marijuana and is giving it away for free Mm. To people who are dying of cancer or AIDS or even just have glaucoma. People who need it for legitimate medical purposes. Mm. Um, and they actually do have a couple of speeches about how it does help with all of those things. It's, this is in the news. We're starting to turn the tide towards some places uh, legalizing medicinal marijuana. Recreational would be quite a ways out. But medicinal marijuana was in the news. Marker agrees to help. But he can't just say, okay, that sounds cool. He has to give shitty speeches about how, like, all right, I'll help you because you're the lesser of two evils. Mm. And I'm like, there's nothing evil about this. Mm. He's, it's there's, medicinal there's, marijuana. And he's like, yeah, well, what about all those other people who are doing pot? George. Then they'll have fun while they watch Brady Bunch reruns. <laughs> Just let it fucking go, Marker. Yeah, mar- but t- to be fair, Marker is the one who's seen as kind of the tight one. Everybody else is really like, what's your problem, Marker? I wish, yeah. I wish I had a tone that was making fun of him, though. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's very sincere about that shit. Yeah, but yeah, he he is trying to track down the source of a very particular strain of weed that is like really really strong that is being used for medicinal purposes and is being like stolen. Yeah, and, someone and stealing on the street. Yeah. someone stealing medicinal marijuana for people who genuinely need it for medical purposes and selling it on the street. And he's mm. read to help out with that. Um, also, he's got a love interest in this episode, uh, who's. Like, Played by uh, Beth Toussaint is the actor's name. Yeah. Who I know also from Star Trek. She played Tasha Yar's long-lost sister in one episode. You might also remember her. Uh, she, was she, in, uh, she was in Red Eye. 
She was in Red Eye. She was in Nightmare Cafe. Yeah. Uh, another show we uh, canceled too soon show. She was on an episode of Legend. Mm-hmm. Like she, she was, was just on, she did a lot of stuff. Legend. Another canceled too soon show. Another uh, yeah. UPN show. She uh, she was in one episode of Melrose Place. She made a big career of being in like one or two episodes of a lot of different yeah. TV shows. And she was in Man of Machine. She's in one episode. She's actually a good actor. Like I just want to make that clear. Like she's she's oh, fine she, here. And so yeah. the whole thing is, you know, she's she's in Hawaii for a vacation. He ran into her. He had 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 to go back to the to the mainland uh, to get some stuff, and then he flew back, and she was on the plane with him. And they had a connection, and so she's helping him out with all this stuff. And they fall in love, and they have sex on the beach. And then she's going to fly home, and she's like, hey, this was a beautiful chapter in my life. Thank you, but I got to go now. And he's like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. And so he, like, gets onto her plane and, like, sits next to her while she's asleep. And then she wakes up, you know, a couple hours later and sees him next to her. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I had sympathy for the medical marijuana thing because I'm dying. She she ha- She's, like... This was going to be her last fling before she dies. Yeah. And, and so she just wanted it to be pure and good. And, and Marker want... fucking ruined it. And then extra twist. We find out that the mark, the other, he was actually doing two markers in this episode and her father had used a marker to make sure Richard Greco guaranteed she had a good time in Hawaii. He didn't know that she was dying, but he needed, he was, it was his job to make sure she had a good time in Hawaii. So it's also kind of tainted. <laughs> Also, this is another one where we have to hear Richard Grieco uh, play music. And he's writing a song oh, like, Gonna lay your body down. Gonna lay your body down. You're the that's, only that's, girl that's the in only Hawaii got, and so. you're gonna lay your body down. <laughs> like, that's kind of the vibe. It's so bad. It's such a bad episode of television. The only girl in Hawaii. Something like that. Uh, the next episode is called From Russia Without Love. It's a play on a James yeah. Bond film title. Yep, and uh, this is the human trafficking episode mm-hmm. where uh, a guy who used to work for Marker's father uh, is, was in the Marines, and just before he went in, he married a Russian immigrant, uh, but in order to arrange for her to get her citizenship, or legally or legally, something like that, they made a deal with a Russian gangster. So he went off... To do his tour of duty, it's like four years, and when he comes back, he's surprised to find out that she's actually uh, being being sold into sex work against Mm. her will, and so he has Marker help him uh, fight off the bad guys, and this is where Gates McFadden actually gets to like use explosives and like help save a bunch of uh, women who have been sold into human trafficking. Uh, this is also the episode uh, with uh, the Dean from Animal House. Oh, right. Whose name suddenly yeah, escapes that, me and I can't that, remember. The actor's name is, oh gosh, I just you, had it. You know who I'm talking too. about. He's that guy. Mm. No. He, he was also in an episode of Star Trek. He was. Yeah. Anyway, that guy. Uh, he, uh, uh, why do I not know his name? He's not listed on IMDb. That's the funny thing here. <laughs> like I was looking. Oh, I'll look at. I'll look up the episode on IMDb. No, he's not, not in not here. Listed. He's not it's... listed. He was the big guest star. It's absurd. Anyway, uh, he uh, so they they fight a bunch of guys and then they beat a bunch of guys mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh no, those are a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a big wedding and everyone's like, and everything's fine now. And I'm like, no. A lot of people are traumatized. This is not a happy ending. I mean, it's a happier ending than like not doing everything we did. But this is not like, and now everything's okay, right? Like, no. <laughs> it's really fucking bad. 
You but the marker is cashed in, and that's all that matters. I guess that's all that matters. The next one is the one with Wings Hauser. Oh yeah, <laughs> Wings Hauser, who's sort of like a he's like a stage dad who's John been, Vernon. That was the name of John the actor. Vernon. That was right. the name of John the actor. Vernon. Drive me nuts. Okay, well, there you no. Go. Dean Vernon was the name of no, the character. No, Dean, Dean Werner. Dean, Dean Werner. Yeah. Werner Vernon. Dean Wormer. I, I got confused. Dean Vernon Wormer. Ver- the actor's name is John Vernon. That is admittedly confusing. Ah, just burn Animal House to the ground. Anyway, uh, Wingshauser. <laughs> Wingshauser is in the next episode. A guy who almost exclusively plays dangerously unhinged people. Mm. Uh, he plays a dangerously unhinged girls volleyball coach. He's a girls volleyball coach, and he's been sort of uh, overcoaching his teenage daughter yeah. uh, on this volleyball team, and has also been uh, pressuring her into making money as a swimsuit model. Yeah, and also... And she is uncomfortable with all of this, Yeah, and because uh, she has a stalker. Yeah. Wingshauser knows she has a stalker and is forcing her to be in public anyway. And he doesn't care. In fact, he's actively trying not to talk about it. Mm -hmm. By the way, this episode is called Spiked Through the Heart. Uh, So the plot of the episode uh, is... And the the teenage daughter is played by the girl from the movie Airborne. I thought I recognized her. Thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, So the the girl's mother uh, turns in a marker and says, Mm -hmm. Hey... Uh, my husband extricate my daughter from my husband. Yeah, he's 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 manipulative, abusive. He's putting her in situations that she's extremely uncomfortable with. He's putting her in immediate danger, and Marker is now in a position to you know try to save this girl. Of course, the stalker kidnaps her, and it's frankly horrifying. Like the idea that this is entertainment is weird because it's genuinely frightening. It it turns into a horror movie during those scenes because he's like, has this shrines that he's built to her and like forcing her to wear outfits. And, and, and it's not like she's playing along or she has a plan or she's going to get out of it somehow. She's just terrified. Yeah. And And she's crying and screaming and is like, I I'm terrified of you. And he keeps on threatening her. It's like, yeah, yeah, really horrifying. And and it starts off really terrifying as well, because it's not just, like this 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 young woman's mother going up to Wingshauser, her husband or ex-husband, and and saying, like, hey, listen, I'm really concerned about this stalker for our daughter, and then him going, Well, I'm not, and you know, she wants to be with me. I I got custody of the I don't know what the deal is. And he just listen on. He beats her mother in public. He assaults her mother in public, and then everyone <laughs> and then Wingshauser, it, Jesus. It's never yeah. mentioned again. And at the end of the episode. The most comeuppance that happens to Wings Hauser is his daughter decides to take a short break from volleyball. That's it. He gets no other comeuppance. Mm. It is fucked up. The moral compass of this episode is fucked up. When well, they talk we, about we how... Get, we do get the impression that she's sort of taken her life back from him, that she can make that call. She stood up to him and that was a big step. That is good. Mm. I'll give you that. But previously in the episode, there are scenes where people are talking about how, listen, this is actually like a problem these young women are being objectified and this is you know this this is not healthy for anybody and then the camera cuts to images objectifying the 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 young actors playing volleyball yeah it's gross it's gross it's well, shitty they, it's it's not a good episode and, and that was something that was really common in a lot of shows in like the late 80s and early 90s um mm-hmm. do you remember those like quote news stories where they like break into the news it's like and here's a history of the bikini and yeah. it was just all of this like lascivious camera work over women in skippy swimsuits. And yeah. like that was sold as news. Yeah. It was incredibly sexist. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, and that, this that was, just, I was just, I was just regular TV. 
Yeah. Back in the late 80s and early 90s. And they even made fun of it on The Simpsons at one point, where, oh, yeah. where Homer was trying to watch one of those and Bart kept coming in the room. Mm-hmm. It's like, go back to your slumber party. All right. Uh, the mm. next episode uh, is uh, this this uh, Dead Man's I, I, Marker, I, I, which has a cameo from a young, not famous yet, Giovanni Ribisi. That's right. Um, yeah. there, there's a, a corpse on the beach. Yeah. Giovanni Ribisi is just some... Uh, He's Low like a black, black market guy yeah. who's just so, sort of hawks wares on the beach. And so he sees the corpse on the beach, he steals its wallet, and he steals a marker that the, mm. that the guy had. And while he's on the beach trying to sell his stolen wares, Marker happens to be there, sees a marker, realizes, mm. well, that's not right. And so he chases Giovanni Ribisi down, and he grabs the marker, and then that's it. Giovanni Ribisi is out of the show, and uh, it turns no, out... He, come, he comes back. He comes back briefly, but he's not, he's not an important plot point. He's just there to get yeah. the marker to... Richard Grieco. And then it turns out um, there was a lawyer who has been framed for murder. The dead guy mm-hmm. uh, was, uh, framed, was framed for a murder. Who was the lawyer's partner is, is yeah. dead now. And mm-hmm. allegedly he, he killed himself uh, afterwards. Uh, but it turns out that was all a ruse and uh, someone is actually, uh, someone actually just, just uh, mm-hmm. killed him. Uh, and they, they, they also have to delve into the dead guy's past and then, yeah. He actually had a history of like binge drinking and blackouts, yeah. and he was like a, a pretty severe alcoholic. And it turns out there's like a corrupt cop who's mm-hmm. actually like uh, who knew about that, and because he'd arrested him a few other times for being mm-hmm. like drunk in public, and that's how he knew he could frame the guy, and yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Moving on, the pink unicorn. Here's where <laughs> here's two things about this. Mm-hmm. We got excited to review the TV series Marker because we've been looking for it for a bit and then it just mysteriously popped up on Tubi TV, Mm. which is a free streaming service. Tubi TV doesn't have every episode of Marker, which they do not advertise. (laughs) They're missing like three episodes of Marker. So I thought I was done with Marker and then I realized that the numbering (laughs) was wrong. Wait a minute, we skipped episode nine? What the hell? Mm. So we had to go hunting, but we were able to find it online. And the episodes that are not on 2B TV are the only interesting episodes of Marker because they get weird. And this is the mm. one where it's about a young girl. Her father is killed. Marker yeah, is like, responsible. like 11 or 12. Yeah. And, um... Marker is responsible for the, 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 hey, Luca, get away from there. You bad. Mm-hmm. You bad. Get away from there. Moving on. Marker is responsible for helping her find the pink unicorn. Just like the pink panther. Yeah, the pink unicorn is actually it's, it's, the, uh, it's, it's a local it's a local legend. Mm. It's a, a mysterious, you know, a cryptid type creature that some people go searching for. It lives under a banyan tree, and it turns out that the reason why he wanted his daughter to find it is because he had hidden a, a like a multi million dollar jewel under that tree, and he knew about it because he was a parole officer. And he knew some of the criminals he had been around had stolen it. And hey, Luca, Luca, get down from there. Luca, you're bad. You're bad. You're bad, Luca. He's bad. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> anyway, it was a multi million dollar jewel. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, one of the uh, other parole officers enlisted the help of, if you're familiar with Walter Hill's movie, The Warriors, the Baseball Furies. <laughs> More or less. There's three baseball murderers. Mm-hmm who always were wearing baseball gear and talking about baseball stuff. And they're just driving around Hawaii being baseball guys. And then they try to kill people in baseball ways. The the baseball stuff is interesting 
They're fun. They're amusing villains. Now, I, I, surely, yeah, the pink unicorn is not a Hawaiian cryptid that comes from Polynesian mythology. I don't know. Uh, there are Polynesian cryptids, mm-hmm. uh, like the the little. Um, you've probably seen drawings of them, uh, uh, like little homunculi, like little two foot tall people, like that wear gigantic tiki masks. Yeah, those are cryptids, I suppose, of a sort. Yeah, of of Hawaiian mythology. Why not draw on something that's actually Hawaiian? You you had a you cast a Hawaiian actor, like a Hawaiian comedian, to play one of the characters. Yeah, it's set in Hawaii. Can you roll with the location a little bit better? The answer pink to that uni- is no. Pink unicorn was like so uh, just didn't fit in my brain. Yeah. Uh, the other the also other... pink unicorn that's like a waffle flavor now. I it's know. like su- such a marketing thing. The other the only other interesting thing about this episode is over the course of the episode, Gates McFadden actually forms like a close bond with the young girl, mm-hmm. and at the end of the episode, she decides she's going to become the girl's foster mother. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, so she's going to be in the show now. And here's how it plays out. I'm going to be your new foster mother. Yay! You're going to boarding school. Boo. Uh, So she's just gone. We never see her again. (laughs) She's just gone. Why Uh, why even do that? What's the point of that? Uh, The next episode is called Truth, Lies, and Rock and Roll. And in this one, there's a journalist who is investigating uh, a murderer on death row but it turns out he's actually innocent of murder and the district attorney knew that but if by being by executing this guy uh he looks tougher on crime so he'll be elected better district attorney and uh marker has to go undercover to try to prevent him from being a district attorney and he's district attorney there was one uh one element of this episode that i appreciate yeah there's the district attorney and of course he's in league with some horrible criminal and yeah. there's scenes where they're trying to figure out no i thought you said you had to kill him and we're going to get somebody on tape and he's going to be revo- revealed on tape predictable episode yeah uh when when marker goes undercover as uh, a volunteer for the campaign uh there's he's surrounded by a lot of people who uh believe in the campaign he has to stage a few phone calls and he says like some snarky quippy things on the phone because it's all staged he just yeah. has to get it on tape and one of the other volunteers approaches him and says i i don't i didn't like what you did and then she walks away and he feels like a piece of shit and that's the end of it <laughs> like you don't get to be like a snarky dick when you're campaigning like, is, you have to believe this in this stuff like, she yeah. doesn't know the dude's corrupt she's like yeah. hey, we're, we we mean it here yeah Get your shit together, Marker. Pretty much. It's like, we mean it. You don't. Get your shit together. Bye. (laughs) Like, it's not a plot point. It's just points out that he's doing something a little bit untoward. And I appreciated that that detail. The next episode is called Snowballs in Hawaii. Uh, The two things with this episode. One, this is the episode where finally... This is the dog. This is the dog episode. But before we get to the dog, I just want to say, this is the episode where... Remember when we reviewed The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr.? And Briscoe County, every week was off on a new adventure, saving the day. Mm. And by sheer coincidence, the plot happened to incorporate this other character, Lord Bowler, played by Julius Carey. Mm. And about 10, 12 episodes into the series, they finally realized that it's stupid not just to have them be co-workers, because then you don't have to go out of your way to justify why Lord Bowler is in every episode. This is the episode where they finally just hire Pipeline to help with the markers. <laughs> That's hey, it. He's been helping every episode yeah, anyway. He puts on a, a really nice, dated, late 80s uh, sharkskin suit. Yep. And now he's just part of the team and honestly took way too long. Every other time when they had to like sort of explain 
Like, there's a whole episode where he's just like, Richard Grieco has tickets to go see John Bon Jovi, but like, Pipeline wants those tickets. And the only way to like resolve this plot point is by like, Pipeline has to do a favor in exchange against the Bon Jovi tickets. If he just works for you, you don't have to do that shit. You don't have to waste 10 minutes of screen time. So now he works for him. Mm. And the first plot point is there's a bickering couple. They hate each other. One of them was played by Billy Warlock from Baywatch and Society fame. <laughs> uh, and uh, they have just, a dog. Just Society. Who cares about Baywatch? Nobody watched that show. Anyway, uh, they most, have a dog. Most popular show in the they world. They have a dog. The dog is missing. And not only are they looking for the dog, but also a bunch of hardened criminals are looking for a dog because it has like it has a it has an account number tattooed on it. Someone tattooed. <laughs> Like an offshore bank account number on a dog. Which, by the way, that's some fucked up shit. And B, that's a stupid fucking plot line for a show. That's a really stupid plot line for a show. Bad guys and good guys looking for this dog. They keep uh, following leads as to where the dog might be and they find dead bodies. I can see how this is supposed to like play like a comedy of errors, but the the main couple is so annoying. Oh, I hate them. Like they're supposed to be annoying, but they're supposed to be comically annoying and we're supposed to laugh that they annoy Marker so much. We're supposed to be amused by them and at the end when they get back together, we're supposed to be like, ah, that's nice. Like, Mm. no, we hate them. We don't want them on screen, and we don't want them to end up together, mm. nor do we want them to be happy. No. <laughs> Alone then, or apart. I just don't like them. And there's a big twist in the middle where it's revealed that that's just the, the nature of their relationship. They yeah. love to fight, and they've been married and divorced several times over already. Yeah. So they, they just really, really love... <laughs> fighting and they love fighting over the dog. Whitney is petting Luca and like, it looks like you're charging him up, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, he needs his battery. Like it's like he's a super soaker. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got two more episodes of marker Mm. and then we're done with this. Thank God. The next episode (laughs) is called factor X. And in this one, this uh, is the, the one that, that had rock and roll in the title is not the rock star episode. This is the rock star episode. Yeah, this and and it's also not the one where Richard Grinko Rico sings the most. It's the next episode. <laughs> Factor X is about a rock star who uh, he's doing a lot of drugs. He's extremely depressive, mm. and he decides to end his own life. But he wants to do it in like a really cool way. Make so he it, decides make a statement. Man. So he decides yeah. to hire an assassin to kill him. Mm. Problem is, then he goes into rehab, realizes he's made a huge mistake, but for some reason he's not allowed to, like, well, cancel he, the hit on himself. He, well, he doesn't have any access to the killers anymore. They're just yeah. out there, and he's given them very specific instructions. Just take me out where, like, nobody can see me because I don't want to, like, traumatize somebody, and and that's that. And now, yeah. the, now the two assassins who are... Uh, <sighs> They're sort of knockoff characters from Quentin Tarantino movies. They're, like, pul- specifically, pul- they're John Travolta and Samuel L. Yeah, Jackson they, from uh, Pulp Fiction. There's a scene, they're yeah. constantly bantering. They actually have more personality than most characters on the show. Yeah. Uh, and there's a scene in which they talk about whether Pulp Fiction was realistic or not. Yeah, yeah. So this is their Pulp, Pulp Fiction reference. Pulp Fiction had come out the year before. It was a yeah. big hit. It was yeah. in the consciousness, at least in that you know kind of limp MTV sort of way. They were at least new to reference something in the real world. Yeah. Uh, a, a cameo of note, uh, the, uh, the rock stars lawyer is played by the great Shannon Tweed. That's right. Who was incredibly prolific in the erotic thriller genre in the nineties. Like, holy crap. Mm. Did she do a lot of those? It's a, 
astounding. She, she needs due respect. Seriously, watch, where's that watch box Shannon, set? Watch Shannon Tweed movies. I want to see she, a retrospective, damn it. She worked hard. She was a, she's a good actress. She's fine. She's good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so she enlists Marker to basically help this guy not be assassinated, which is actually a pretty tall order for Richard Grieco. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, and Pipeline uh, and gets pi- shot. Pipeline go- and it's really obnoxious. First of all, Pipeline, he's like sort of a comic sidekick. So he's always saying like lascivious things. And I was like, oh, let's go. Let's go into that circle of like bikini babes over there and just talk to him. It's like, you just want to talk to bikini babes. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I want to do. That's that's the mission statement of my life. Yeah, yeah. That's, I'm, I'm chill. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to make too, any I like, beefs about I like, it. I like booze. Mm. I like surfing. And I like sex. I'm not a complicated person. <laughs> and you kind of admire that about somebody. Yeah. But um, but uh, he gets shot in the back, and of course his big payoff is, get away from there, Luca. The big payoff for, yeah, counter, Luca. Uh, for uh, Pipeline is he gets shot, and then at the very end a lot of these uh, like bikini models come into his, ho- his, his hospital room and sort of coddle him and coo over him while he's convalescing. Uh, the only- he, gets, he gets shot in the back. He says, careful, I got shot here, and he points to a point part on his chest. It's like, no. no, you didn't. Uh, Come on. You, you forgot. Yeah. You forgot. <laughs> or you shot, shot that first, scene first, yeah, and you didn't, didn't know where, didn't, where the squib was Didn't think anyone would give a shit. Uh, the only other two interesting things about this episode is there's a scene where Richard, Ge- Dr- Richard Grieco gets to drive a Jeep through a golf cart, which is actually pretty fun. <laughs> uh, and uh, just in a vacuum, that's fun. Uh, and there's a scene where Richard Grieco gets to yell at a guy who is seriously considering killing himself and trying to shame him into wanting to be alive. And I'm like, this is the exact opposite way you should do that. That's a <laughs> terrible speech. That is, ooh, that is just not the way you have that conversation at all. It's terrible. And speaking of terrible, the last episode is called Discovery. And this is the one where Richard Grieco gets to sing a lot. Yeah. So in this one, uh, there's a young woman. She's on a plane to Hawaii and she's immediately kidnapped by a limo driver. And it turns out that he is married to her birth mother. She didn't know her birth mother. Her birth mother is dying. And she just wanted to see her daughter one last time. And he wants to kill the daughter so that he'll inherit everything. Also, her mother isn't really dying and she's being poisoned. So... She has a marker on her, and Richard Grieco actually helps them, like, because he has that book of names, figures out who she is. And so he's trying to help her get her memory back. Well, she you, falls you in love with Pipeline. Men- you didn't mention that she lost her memory. I'm, oh, it, did dur- I mention? Oh, no, I'm sorry. D- during, during, <laughs> sorry. During the kidnapping, she, uh, she's in a car wreck. She's conked on the head. She wakes up, and she has no memory. And yeah. so uh, he's able to, because of the marker, find out what her name is. And the rest of the episode is her trying to find her identity. Now, yeah. when she steps off the plant, the plane, she's goth. She's got yeah. uh, facial piercings and black lipstick and dyed hair, uh, fishnet stockings, docks. Hot look at the time. It's a hot look now. Yeah. It's come back. Uh, and she hits her head, and all of a sudden she's a mellow hippie who loves the Grateful Dead. She forgets that she's goth. <laughs> it's so friggin' stupid. <laughs> And she gets into like acoustic guitar. Well, what's weird and, is that well, she gets judgy about it. That's she gets the thing really, that's weird. She gets really judgy. She gets, it's like, like I, I can't believe I, I had all had these piercings. These, I'm a monster. What facial kind of... piercings. Yuck. Facial piercings. Yuck. Fishnet stockings. You know what kind of music I like? Richard Grieco music. Yeah. Fuck you, show. <laughs> I'm going to take this goth chick and give her amnesia so she forgets that she likes good music and only likes Richard Grieco music. 
It's like that's like an SNL plot, yeah, like in a Will awful. Ferrell movie or something. It's just awful. Yeah. Anyway, at the end, they stop the bad guys and everything's fine. And that is Marker. But, but she gets to sing on stage after, after Richard Grieco has his numbers. Like, yeah, I'm I'm a musician by my record. Uh, yeah, there, her song is as bad or worse than his. Yeah. By the way, it's really not good. I'm sure he wrote it too. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, yeah. It's just awful. I, I kind of expected Richard Grieco to say, "If you want to buy my CD, just meet me in the back." Yeah, I'll be selling CDs and T-shirts if you, if you, if you and bootleg DVDs at Twenty One Jump Street and Booker. If you want to, here's the uh, the um, uh, Mitch Hedberg line. Hey, if if you want to talk to me in the back of the bar after the show, I'll be surprised. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's Marker. Yeah. If Marker had gone on for a hundred episodes, UPN would have been in even more trouble. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all they had. And there's nothing to just, Marker. There's we got, nothing we got to nothing it. else. We just need to keep just, putting money into Marker. Just any random episode of any other show, change the setup so that it involves a Marker, and then make Richard Grieco do it. Mm. The only thing I'm I'm watching Marker, and Marker is one of those shows where you you watch one episode and you swear to God you've seen ten hours of this thing, but instead mm. you're on two episodes in. Yeah, like it's just yeah. it's just interminable. I, I was watching. I think it was the third episode, the one with uh, the the gangster, the girlfriend who is yeah. being held captive by the gangster. Yeah, I checked on which episode I was on like two or three times. Yeah, like somehow thinking that I had moved on to the next one, not because the plot was complicated or like they had shifted tone or something, just. It was so awkwardly paced and yeah. so badly written that it seemed like I, I had seen this story somewhere before. Yeah. And I realized that the story I had seen before was the one I had started. Mm-hmm. It was the one I was still in. It hadn't finished yet. No, this, is a, this is a jello pudding cup of hell. Like, this is just like, just go be popping and go, ah, marker. Um, <laughs> a weird analogy. I, I don't know. Marker made me lose my sanity multiple times. Mm. It gets to the point where you're watching something so terrible after a while, you just kind of get used to it. And all of a sudden, like the marker theme is following you wherever you go. And you just like, you hear it in the vacuum cleaner, like, no, it was, it was my incredibly patient wife and partner, M. Lapis da Silva, who pointed something out to me. We were watching some episodes of Marker together. What a champion. She's, an, in addition to being a wonderful human being, a brilliant She'll writer. sit and watch Marker with you. A brilliant writer. You might recall that her novel, Hooker, came out last uh, last year. It's a uh, pro-sex work, pro-queer, feminist, vigilante uh, uh, slasher thriller. Awesome book. Reviews are very good. She's also the um, entrepreneur and genius behind Salt Cat Soap. Uh, I would not be doing that if we're not for her. her. The designs are exclusively hers right now on the website. Uh, she's incredible. She's an incredible illustrator. She's also a really good critic because I'm watching this this show and I'm like, what the fuck is there here? Like, mm-hmm. what is there to talk about other than just how banal this is? And then mm-hmm. she points out something that honestly should have been obvious. It's staring me right in the face, but it isn't until someone points it out. Mm-hmm. Marker is Jesus. <laughs> He's a carpenter who doesn't know his mysterious, all-powerful, all-benevolent father. Oh, my God. And now he has to do all of these acts of kindness mm. in order to bring peace and equity to the world. And that makes me hate this show so much more. Like, this, the, Look, the fact remember, that they're actually leaning into and they are, actually. Yeah. It, does, it does track. That Richard Grieco isn't just Magnum P.I. with a stupid setup. 
but he's also Jesus. This moral figure. He's yeah. rock star Jesus. It's like Buckaroo Bonsai if all of his jobs sucked. Like, that's where we're at with Marker. Mm. Like, what a... It was not canceled too soon. I'm going to throw it no, out there. No, definitely not. It's a terrible thing. Remember, remember how outraged we were when we were watching John from Cincinnati? Yeah. That, that complete clusterfuck of a show about Jesus Christ coming back in, in Venice, California. Kind of. Kind, yeah. It's like this kind of Jesus-like figure, and everybody's got fucked up lives, and there's this weird incest subplot. Remember I, John from Cincinnati? I, unfortunately, I do. Yeah. I know some people love that show. We were not into it. No, I think that that's a terrible show. Yeah. Um, that you just told me that, and I just got like, like these really hive-like flashbacks. <laughs> like I started itching a little bit. Oh fuck, no, no, marker, no. Stephen Joe, Stephen J. Cannell, no. <laughs> bad Stephen J. Cannell. If, if you're gonna be bad, be kooky about it. All right. Yeah. Be be 100 lives of Blackjack Savage. Yeah. Bad. This is just boring ass bad. Like yeah, it's just, make, make that show about yeah. Doctor Deadlift, and I'm with you. Thank you. Someone make <laughs> Doctor Deadlift the show. Hmm. I will pay good Look, money to see Doctor Deadlift the show. We're in this wild west where uh, every streaming service is dumping shovels of money into a furnace of content. They're just burning it all off. You know, we know, we all know Quibi. And yeah. uh, you're and telling me there isn't room for Doctor Deadlift? Uh, so surely Paramount still has this. Who wants it? Paramount, Paramount wants it. They're Paramount not doing anything. Surely, I don't know how this like popped up on Tubi. It's also on Shout Factory TV. Like, clearly, it's like been filtering. It exists. Out. It exists. It's just no one cares. So someone met, you, picked it up in a package. Pa- Paramount Plus has all these UPN shows. Re-release them in a big package. Who cares? Like, yeah. hey, remember UPN? Remember that big failure? All these sucky shows? They're all back yeah. in this little dark corner. We'll call it, you know, the UPN corner of Paramount Plus. Yeah. And we'll reboot some of these shows that you've never heard of, like Marker. Although we're going to have Dr. Deadlift. Have the rights to the character. I'm trying to think of, like, Maybe what, that, I don't know where the actor's up to. Just I get think, him back. I heard somewhere that they were talking about bringing Moesha back. That's a good idea. All I'm right. trying to think of what other UPN shows actually would warrant... Mm. Like returning, uh, like uh, nowhere uh, man. Was nowhere a, man would yeah, be a good one. I was no, nowhere man that. was like a, a beloved cult show. Like it's yeah. actually one of the better liked shows. It still only lasted one season, but We're, it was like been, a very. Yeah, uh, it followed in the the path of the X Files and the sort of mysterious yeah. everybody's lying kind it of. Was, it was the X Files meets the fugitive. Bruce Greenwood well, played meets, a meets the prisoner mostly. Yeah, but I, Bruce Greenwood but, uh, plays a photographer who uh, may have taken a picture of something he wasn't supposed to. And he and he wakes one, up and nobody remembers who he is. Including his own yeah. wife. His identity has been completely erased from the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are also after him. They've tried to find like the original negatives of this thing. And so um, it was a good setup. It was a little hit or miss. We've actually been meaning to get to it on Cancel Too Soon. We're like probably well, waiting for like one of the big episodes, like episode 225 or 250. Well, we've been putting it off because it's like 23 episodes on our show, and that, that takes it, a lot of our time. It does, yeah. But um, so, but that would be a good one to reboot. That's actually like a, a rock solid uh, uh, setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really want to see The Watcher in any form. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Seven Days was okay. That was when we go back like seven days in time to try to prevent something bad from yeah, happening. Yeah. Um, the and Sentinel dude has animal powers. That's there's, fine. There's there's a there's a space out there for Desmond Pfeiffer. Is there? No, there's okay, not. Okay, I didn't think it was, so. It was a bad idea at the time. It's even worse now. Yeah, bring back Legend. There you go. That's what I want. Legend was actually <laughs> bless you. Legend was actually a pretty damn good show. Yeah, it was. It's considered like the other Briscoe County, but it's actually about as good as Briscoe County. Like it's a really good show. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, put put them together. You got one one awesome show. Anyway, that is it for Cancel Too Soon this week. Thank you everybody for listening. 
Uh, we'll be back next week with the winner of the latest Patreon poll, uh, Electra Woman and Dinah Girl, a 1970s live action superhero series that from, I've. Uh, from Sid and Marty Croft, right? Yeah, it's from the Imaginations of Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah, so I've actually never seen this one. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited about it. Uh, we'll be back with that uh, mm-hmm. next week. Uh, and of course we would love to hear from you so uh, if you can head on over to our Patreon page patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network we have polls for future episodes of Cancel Too Soon and other podcasts as well we also have exclusive podcasts about everything from the 1960s Batman to Star Trek to uh, the Academy Awards Disney we do commentary tracks we have a lot there uh, exclusively for our Patreon subscribers and if you are a patron Thank you so much. None of our shows would exist without you Mm. at all. We're incredibly grateful to you and you're keeping this going. So thank you for all of your help. If you want to contact us more directly, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And of course, you can always email us letters at criticallyacclaimed.net is our email address. You can ask us uh, questions about stuff we talked about in this podcast or anything at all, really. Do you know someone who made Marker? Did you like Marker? Are you a Marker fan? Yeah. Tell us about your marker. Uh, We would love to hear from you uh, as well. Um, And of course, don't forget, you can head on over to our Etsy store. Uh, Look for Salt Cat Soap, all one word, on Etsy. And you can buy uh, luxury soaps designed by M. Lampas da Silva. And uh, we drop new soaps the first Saturday of the month. We got a few coming up real soon, including one designed by me. So my first one that's ever been on the store. I'm very excited about it. Uh, But until then, we do have a sale going until uh, the end of March on some of our nicer bars. So uh, I do hope you enjoy them. Uh, and of course, Salt Cat Soap is on Twitter and Instagram at Salt Cat Soap. Mm. Look, for, look for the picture of Luca. He looks like Luca, but he's a cartoon. It's adorable. Mm. Designed by Mlapas da Silva. He's eating soap. So thank you, everybody. Once again, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. <laughs>